Hello, welcome to the new brand spanking new, at least if you're listening to it while it's the newest one on our list, episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We have a super show planned for you, pun intended. It'll be a steely-eyed, manly episode of epic proportions. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yeah, a lot of build-up for what we're talking about, so hopefully you agree. Um, But on this episode, we will be, as part of our... um, retrospective we're doing of the batman and superman movies leading up to batman v superman which is coming out in little around a month actually yeah less than a month here so yeah it's the final countdown (laughs) we'll be doing man of steel tonight um the movie that kicked off the dc cinematic universe the dccu rolls right off the tongue (laughs) um and then what do they call their TV ones? The DCEU or something? Yeah. Like extended Universe or something? Yeah, those, although... And then they keep trying to tease like they're going to matter but in the movies, but nobody seems to think they are. It's, but Marvel's kind of done the same thing. They're like, they've made Daredevil and Jessica Jones be in the same universe as the Avengers, and yet they're like acting like, yeah, we did that for I don't know what reason, because... We don't want them in our movies, so I don't know what the, what they're planning on doing here. Yeah, Daredevil gets absolutely no love, even though that show was pretty awesome. I actually never finished Jessica Jones, did you? Me? No. Oh, I gave up on it and never really committed again. No. Daredevil, uh, though, yeah, that was a really good first season. They got a second one coming up. But that's Marvel. We're talking DC tonight. We're talking... Uh, Man of Steel, this was, like I said, uh, this came out in 2013. This was not Zack Snyder's first comic book movie. He had dabbled in a few others in the past. He had done, uh, which one did he do first? 300. Yep, 300 and was then, the first one. And then he did uh, Watchmen, which were both uh, kind of one-offs. Um, yeah, standalone stories. Standalone stories based on just kind of a standalone graphic novel. And uh, a lot of mixed feelings. There's people who are absolutely in love with 300. There's people who thought it was way too (laughs) 300-ish, which has become a term now, which basically means slow-mo CGI stabbing with slow-mo CGI blood spraying. And I don't know, a lot of people thought it was a little too much. And then kind of Watchmen got the same rap where um, people really pierced to the novel thought it was too far off. And then there's people who thought he stayed too close to the novel with how he did shot for shot action scenes. And yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize is that movie is really as good as you are ever going to get from a, a comic book. Talking about Watchmen. Yes. That so many directors came and went trying to adapt that thing. It was called like unmakeable. For a long yeah. time. When Terry Gilliam can't, can't think of a, a way to, to end the movie, you know something's wrong. Yeah, and he's about as bizarre as they come. Yeah. But Yeah, so Zack Snyder, like I said, this wasn't his first dabble in this, but um, he was kind of a mixed bag, and they gave him um, what they were hoping would be a successful reboot to Man of Steel, so uh, needless to say, a lot of people were like... I don't know, we'll see here. And in fact, even when the movie was over, there's a lot of people going, I guess it worked. <laughs> um, but what we're going to do tonight is just kind of give some of our our thoughts on 
on that particular movie. Um, so yeah, Dakota, why don't you go ahead and start um, just going into Man of Steel. What, what do you think of it? All right. I actually thought this movie was pretty good. Um, I think the one thing that is always kind of going against a Superman movie, even though a lot of people don't want to admit it, is Christopher Reeve's version of Superman. Those uh, And the Richard Donner movie and the second one, which he directed most of, but his name isn't on there as director. Yep. Um, no matter who is making a Superman movie, it, they're always going to kind of come up against that. Um, you know, that Superman was just way too iconic. It'd be like if they tried remaking the first Star Wars movie. It's just there's going to be... So- Which some people would claim they did, but they didn't. <laughs> they kind of did. Anyway... Uh, where was I going? Oh, yes. So, the thing about this movie is DC was, or I'm sorry, not DC, Warner Brothers was actually looking for a new way to kind of, kind of make, bring soups into the, uh, into the now, and Christopher Nolan, uh, they were actually trying to do this for a while now, and Christopher Nolan and David Goyer actually got together and started talking about a story and that's how the script actually came about. And, you know, once Christopher Nolan is involved with something, yeah, the die has been cast. There's no going back. Yeah. He kind of gets what he wants. Yeah. He made Warner brothers a ton of money off ton. his, off his three dark night. Uh, the dark and night inception. Trilogy. Yes. Yes. And is he still pre- is he producing Batman v Superman or is he pretty much stepped out of That's a good question. To my knowledge, I thought he was. Oh. But I suppose we should look into that. We should. You know, that's a good What's his his production company called like Sin isn't his that Sin copy that you see at the beginning of those? Yeah. And that's true. Maybe he did pull out, but he did produce Man of Steel. Yes. Because he my understanding is he pitched kind of the idea of it, but didn't write it. Is that? Yeah. And um, apparently a lot of people at at Warner Brothers were trying to get him to direct, but he declined. Uh, I think it had something to do with the fact that he was coming off. I don't know if he was. Interstellar? Yeah. He was getting ready to do Interstellar, uh, prepping to do Interstellar. Uh, and then you got to remember, at the time, uh, he had just finished the Dark Knight trilogy. He's not Batman v Superman. Oh, okay. I so guess. he's not involved anymore. But uh, now it's coming back to me where I think they just asked him to stay on to kickstart nah. this this kind of stuff here. So And, yeah, honestly, it's, I'm, in a way, I'm kind of glad Christopher Nolan didn't direct that didn't direct man of steel yeah. mostly mostly because i think he would have made it a little too dark the movie yes. the movie is dark already like literally it's a <laughs> it's a dark shaded movie even um yeah yeah but uh we, a lot of people call Zack snyder kind of what do they call him, an emo director yeah all his stuff kind of has a real dark to it with Sometimes gritty for the sake of gritty, it feels like, and yeah. I, I don't know. Whoops. He uh, he took some some heat for the way the Kryptonian costumes were designed because uh, in the comics they are, they actually wear pretty colorful clothes, almost like their robes. 
But which in, is what what Donner kind of did in the first one, where they're very they're like he had them kind of be like reflective, glowing yeah. lights or something. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in this, they're they're wearing either they're wearing dark colors or very very drab colors. Very mute. Yeah. And then the military is wearing like armor for some reason, and Jarrell's wearing armor for some reason. They're just ready to fight. Apparently, yeah. yeah Jarrell's a scientist, and he's ready to like. Beat somebody down, I guess. They didn't go into it, but uh, apparently one of Zack Snyder's or David Goyer's ideas was that in this universe, the Kryptonians are a military society. Like, most most of the populace has served in the military, which is odd, because why would this one species need a military this huge? Yeah, they, they kind of led you to believe that uh, they... St- jump around the galaxy taking over planets or something. Yeah. And the problem I have with that is it makes you not really like them, which I feel like you're supposed to be okay with Krypton a little bit because I feel like that kind of took away me liking Jarrell a little bit because it's like he didn't seem to have any problem with the way Krypton was in that aspect. He just had a problem with the fact that they didn't care that their planet was going to end. And so it kind of made me feel like, well, should I like him or is he kind of a d bag? Because you know they're stomping around and who know doing what taking over planets from other aliens. You know, I, mean, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. Yeah, one thing you know, as I was watching this movie, they come out. They I mean, we're getting off topic here, but I just want to throw this in. They they go into these outposts being in other worlds. I think it would have been cool if they showed them kind of interacting with other species in the DC universe, like the Hawk people. Yeah. Um, well, and that's where there was this really, like, wasn't even actually an idea that was going to happen, but they should have ran with it when people cared about it. But after this movie came out, Russell Crowe said, oh, it'd be cool if they did, like, kind of a TV series of Krypton. <laughs> and, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, they should do a show we'll call it Krypton. And, and I was thinking the same thing, like, oh, you could kind of uh, play around with this space realm of around, you know, like kind of pre Krypton blowing up yeah. type thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or one thing I thought would have been cool is the reason why they have this massive military is they're just afraid of the Green Lantern Corps coming. Yeah, they're just afraid of the core. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, be a good way to tie in the Green Lantern too. Yeah, right. So uh yeah. Um but yeah, back to Man of Steel. So Man of Steel, like we said, is they're basically this was a this was a reboot. This was to bring Man of Steel into a new generation slash possibly kick off some Justice League stuff, which, of course, now we know it is since the next movie is called Dawn of Justice <laughs> as the subtitle. Um, but, yeah, this movie, it's it's similar to the original where it starts on Krypton. You see the parents' reasoning for sending off their son. Um, but then it doesn't do... It doesn't linger in Clark's childhood and teenage years as much as the old one does. Like, the old one spends time with him as a child and then in high school. Well, the high school especially for a while. Um, yeah, when you see him, he is actually a fully grown man. Whereas in this one, they just touch on the spots when he starts realizing he has powers. Um, and him kind of dealing with that and, you know, like, his parents kind of helping him understand what to do with him. I always, that was the other thing I kind of, I kind of struggle with, with the super, this new Superman is the way his parents are about him. Like Kevin Costner plays his dad 
his Earth dad, and uh, Pa Kent. Pa Kent, yeah. Uh, the way he kind of talks to Clark about it, you know, like you always kind of picture him as the one who kind of helps Clark be a good person, and his dad just kind of like help people or don't. It doesn't matter, you know. It's not on you, kind of thing, and like he does it like that, and just feels kind of like I don't know, kind of nihilistic or something. Yeah. Like I don't know, that was just kind of weird that they had Pa Kent do that. Whereas Pa Kent has always been kind of like Clark's was Clark's moral compass a little bit on Earth, like planting um good and and justice into his son a little bit. You know, I mean, beyond what eventually Jor El would do in the Fortress of Solitude, and so I just thought that was kind of. Kind of strange they had him. So, and then even, is that in the preview for the new one coming out here where they have Ma Kent now? Yeah. Say something like, you don't need to help them. It's not It's not on you or something. And it's like, why do they keep having his parents be so like, you don't have to, you know, why are they so like ambiguous about their son? I don't know. Do they think it's like a way to protect him, but also they don't want to hinder him? Or what is the reasoning, do you think? Yeah, it's kind of... It's very, I don't know, just back and forth with them. Um, I mean, the reason Pa Kent dies in the first one is he doesn't want Clark showing off his powers to anybody. He'd rather Clark just... And come on, saving a dog. Stay under the, lame. under the... Yeah, apparently dying of a heart attack isn't... It wasn't <laughs> a not, good way to go. It's not cool anymore. <laughs> you have to be killed by a tornado because you live in Kansas. You had to be sucked up a tornado. Yeah, which that and his from, dad can't fly. <laughs> his dad did fly for a little bit. Oh god. Yeah, that was that was kind of sad. Um, but anyway, kind of back to the whole story. For some reason, he decides to be like a uh, Clark Kent, aka Kal El, decides to be a migrant worker, and he just goes around mm-hmm. working these odd jobs till he has to save somebody. And then once he saves somebody, he apparently somebody. I don't know. Maybe David Goyer was a huge fan of the Incredible Hulk TV show, where he just walked around helping people. Yeah, it's kind of it is. It's like the Bill Bixby show, where it's like he kind of wanders town to town with a backpack and works places until he has to help some waitress or somebody else or 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 oil oil riggers destroy someone's livelihood. (laughs) Yeah, and then then he leaves. I Um, thought uh, one thing that was interesting. I think we talked about this. There's a scene where. After he saves the oil rig, he's just floating in the water and these whales come up to him. I thought that would have been a great scene to have Aquaman just swim by for some reason. Like, hey, you all right? Okay, good. Later, man. You know, just you know, just like how they fit Bruce Wayne into the events of Man of Steel, you know when they introduce Aquaman, they're going to go back to that whale part and have Aquaman actually be swimming by. We, or, just, we just don't know it yet. Just like or, we didn't know Bruce Wayne was in Metropolis. Or like he sends the whales to check if Clark's <laughs> yeah, okay. He sends the whales like, I like a, somehow he knew Clark Kent was who he was. But. I have a feeling that's where that's leading. I'll put money on that. <laughs> uh, you never know. You never know. They're, they're, they're desperate to connect all this stuff. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other interesting thing involving the Kryptonian end of this is that um, part of what we see in Krypton is – Clark's dad protecting the Kryptonian race with something called the Codex, which Dakota is my understanding correct, where the Codex is basically all the DNA of the Kryptonians is in it. Yes. And Clark's dad puts it into Clark 
where Clark basically is now the Codex. Yeah, he uh, he somehow fuses into his DNA. This thing is, it's kind of hard to explain what it is. The idea is like, these Kryptonians are so advanced, they create this cool piece of technology that looks like a skull. Yeah, and they make it like a skull and they grow their babies underwater. And... Yeah, and then they, <laughs> they, they, I don't know what's the word they create their babies in this birthing matrix and the reason they have to do that is because they're sterile now yeah they've been the idea being that they've been cloned so many times uh they can't reproduce uh because jarell's jarell he finds a way to to uh, make his wife pregnant and they give birth to... yeah it's like he's the like not only is is kal-el the last son of krypton but he's also like He was like the first natural born one in a while, but then also he was the last natural born one, <laughs> and so it was just kind of interesting how that how that played out like that. I think where they got the idea for that is um, when DC completely rebooted its entire continuity, which they seem to be doing more and more these days. Yeah, back in the eighties, um, the Superman comic was. Uh, instead of being called Superman, was turned to Man of Steel. Mm. And in the first few issues, it dealt with what life was like on Krypton. And that's kind of what the Kryptonians did. They had stopped giving having natural birth, and they were cloning their children pretty much. Okay, they take the DNA from the dad, the mom, uh, grow it in this chamber, then they give it to the parents and be like, there you go. <laughs> the stork brings it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jarrell in the that comic kind of felt that you know the Kryptonians weren't like a real race anymore that they had lost something, hmm. and that's why he decided to have his child with his wife naturally. Okay, and of course, just like in that in that uh, story, like in this one, he sends him off so at least part of his race can survive. Of course, he makes it to Earth. Has all these adventures. Crypto shows up, <laughs> which I always thought was a shame. He's never showed up in any of the movies. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he could now. Yeah. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess what's interesting is that uh, they have kind of. He's not like the, necessarily the biggest Superman villain, but he's one that everybody kind of knows. They have Zod end up being kind of the villain that shows up and what happens is he's like they make him kind of a well it's a, like you said it's a militaristic driven culture and he's like the creme de la creme of of the kryptonian military really and he kind of gets banished before everything goes to crap yeah to the phantom zone yeah to the to the phantom zone and uh and that's kind of the deal is that now um, he's kind of bouncing around the galaxy with the few others that were with him. And they end up at Earth now as Clark's an adult and coming to terms with being who he is, a superhero type man, Superman. Um, and Zod's trying to find him. Because he's he's still trying to get his hands on, on the codex, the codex, and things like this, and so, and so it kind of all comes full 
you know, full circle with that. Of course, in the meantime, you know, we have um, Lois Lane come into the story where she ends up seeing this man invest. She's out investigating this ship that's found in the ice, which it's Kryptonian. And uh, she runs into Clark um, in this in this scenario here. And that's how we get kind of Lois Lane in the story here. And so, yeah, it just kind of ends up, everything's kind of flows through like this. Now, how did you feel about Amy Adams as the role of Lois Lane? I thought she did pretty good. And I I remember finding out after I'd seen the movie that she had actually tried out for Lois Lane three different times. And really? this, this time, apparently third time's a charm because this time she got it. Hmm. Um, she was actually in an episode of Smallville too. Yeah, she <laughs> apparently she auditioned for Lois Lane uh, back when Superman Returns was getting made. Um, uh, who lo- she lost out to Kate Bosworth? Although I think I think she dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah, she probably did end up dodging a bullet. And there was another Superman movie that was getting made that she auditioned for, but I can't. Rem- there have been so many I can't keep them straight. Someday. Would it have been? Would it have been George Miller's Justice League? Maybe, yeah, because that wasn't too long ago. Yeah, because that would have been like the 07 time period. But, huh? Um, yeah, and then of course, how did you feel about? How do you feel about Henry Cavill? You know, well, specifically in this movie, but then now carrying on the gauntlet of Superman. Oh, that's kind of a slippery slope. I mean, as Superman, I thought he did okay. I, he didn't really – he wasn't that much of a standout, though. Yeah, like, I think I think he's a – I think he's a good guy, and he's – I'm kind of wondering if he could be a better Superman, but he hasn't been challenged. And I'm wondering if Ben Affleck could be the key to maybe helping him be challenged in his game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because, like, Affleck has come a long way since – Pearl Harbor and in terms of you know just kind of the presence he brings the acting he can do to whereas I feel like that could be the right thing to maybe bring out a better performance in Henry Cavill because I think he has like the presence and the look and things like that down but it just feels like certain ways he holds himself and says stuff is like he's like like you're not Batman. Why are you so? <laughs> it feels like he's so brooding. Yeah, he has a kind um, of a stern look on his face sometimes. But then when I see some of these previews for Batman versus Superman, it's like he still seems like he's really brooding and, and angry. But I don't know. Maybe that's uh. He also looks really stacked. What does that mean? He's cut, like <laughs> very cut. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but I feel like maybe that could be a misleading thing in the trailer with. How angry he is for a number of reasons. One of those theories being like, are maybe in some of those shots in the trailer we're not seeing, yeah, Superman that's, <laughs> as that, we know him. I mean, like I said earlier, no matter who plays Superman, they're always going to be living under the shadow of Christopher Reeve. Yeah, who kind of was the total package. Yes, he was. He, he was able to kind of pull off, pull off the charm of Superman. And at the same time, you believed his strength, you know? Yeah. And then when he was Clark, 
He's the only one that's played Superman where I feel like he actually seems like a different person. Everyone else, yeah. everyone else seems like, how can they not tell? That the, Chris Reeve is the only one I feel like that could kind of pull off the secret identity, you know, of Clark Kent. Too. That's just my opinion, but <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, it even. Oh, wow. Apparently, I can't talk. Okay. Uh, one thing that kind of gets to me is I don't think they're trying to do that, where they're trying to separate Clark and Superman. It just looks like he puts on glasses and regular work clothes, and that's it. It's like, how is this dude fooling people? You mean like Henry Cavill? Yes. His, yeah, when Man of Superman. At the end of Man of Steel, this isn't really a spoiler, because we all know he stays Superman and doesn't die, obviously. Um, yeah, they have him kind of don the glasses and stuff, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. Which he puts on as he is literally walking in the building. Yeah, and I think that was just a theatrical flair, <laughs> you know, but it was still kind of like, okay. Um, but yeah, and that's and that's kind of the thing with Man of Steel. There, For every strength, there's a weakness to which, to which where you kind of give it like a, um, it was fun to see Superman back on the screen and yet it was flawed, you know? Yeah. But what I feel like what Man of Steel did an excellent job with is flight. Yes. Like, you feel his flight and then there's some fight scenes where they're kind of like grabbing him as he's coming up off the ground. It just feels like he's always trying to, instead of just like going, like having him just kind of stand there and fight and then maybe go into a flight mode. He kind of is like in the midst of the fight of someone as they're grabbing his leg, he's flying. I don't know. You just feel like his, he's capable of flight at any second. And he kind of is. And, and I feel like they did that really well in oh, this yeah. movie. And then of course the fact that he could, that he had a formidable opponent and Zod in this movie because Zod would have the same effects from the yellow sun that Superman would to where they could, um, fight each other. But that could get bring us into our qualms here. A lot of people have this movie is the fact that Superman is just obliterating downtown metropolis. Yeah. Which Zach's, and are we supposed to assume part of that is that he's kind of a young new Superman and he isn't really thinking about, the fact that he could be causing a body count <laughs> or what? Yeah, it's it's pretty difficult. Um, Zack Snyder keeps harkening back to the comics where uh, when Superman would get into these fights, they would literally just destroy buildings. And the problem is that works in comic form. And it looks pretty cool in comic form, but in real life, there's people in those buildings. Yeah, and they're showing us the people, like, running from dodging skyscrapers. We're watching Lawrence Fishburne, who plays, who plays Perry White, just, like, trying to keep his secretary and another reporter from dying at every minute. And it, it's just, like, another reminder that he's just, that he's just like, just destroying. And you could argue, like, well, you know, he's fighting Zod, and Zod is flying through there or whatever. But I don't know. <laughs> it just feels kind of... Mm. <laughs> so but yeah and then but of course then they're using that battle there to link bruce wayne the only bruce wayne tie we knew of in man of steel before Batman vs superman was when they go up into space isn't there like a satellite that yeah. has the wayne symbol on it they destroy the wayne uh the wayne Industries satellite and you kind of think 
And I remember thinking, like, man, is that really what's going to tip off Batman and tick him <laughs> off at Superman? But then you realize it's bigger than that because in these new trailers we see they hearken back to this fight and Bruce Wayne was in Metropolis well, seeing this man who is, who is more powerful than he thinks anyone on Earth should be. So Batman feels the need to stop him. There is actually a, a definite nod to Batman in the movie, though, because when uh, the General Zod character starts using his heat vision... He actually brings down this whole building, and there's this one shot, like if you blink, you will miss it, of a yellow poster that has the words, keep calm and call Batman on it. What? No way. That's hilarious. Yeah, it took me a while to find it, but I found it. Keep calm and call Batman. Yes. That also just reminds you how long that keep calm thing has been around. (laughs) It's been around before that, I think. But yeah, it was, uh, there was that. There's there were some other kind of nods uh, to other DC comics characters. Uh, you see Lex LexCorp everywhere in Metropolis. That's the company that Lex Luthor owns. Uh, you see a building that has I can't remember what it's called. I'll have to look into that one. I'll get, I'll get back to you on that one. But there is a nod to Booster Gold in that movie <laughs> of all characters. Yes. If you don't know who Booster Gold is, you should look him up because he's a pretty entertaining character to learn about. Yes. <laughs> but they kind of, I don't know, I feel like they, they kind of, I don't know, they kind of picked odd people to reference in this movie. Um, we may or may not have seen uh, the Carol Ferris that is the love interest for Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Uh, you you do meet this woman who's in the Air Force. Her name's Carrie Ferris. There's a lot of people, a lot of people debating if that's supposed to be the Carol Ferris, though. She was is, played. She was played by Blake Lively in the Green Lantern movie. Is that the one in Man of Steel that calls Superman hot? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. That's a really random moment. I know. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's kind of what we're talking about, but I I feel like Batman v Superman is kind of, in a way, supposed to be the days of future past to X-Men 3, (laughs) where they're going to attempt to use Batman v Superman to clear up some of the muddled problems we saw with Man of Steel a little bit. Although not to the point of like time traveling where it didn't happen, <laughs> but just be like, see, this did have a purpose, or see, this is why it was like that, or or see, if that wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do that a little bit and play with it, which which is fine. I mean, the most important thing is is that they just can give us a cohesive story that's entertaining and cool. You know. So hopefully they can they can still do that. But I think in terms of of Man of Steel, as we talked about. It's it's definitely a very watchable, entertaining movie. It just it just has its flaws, you know. Not not every movie's gonna be perfect. My my one uh one worry I come to the one easy thing to point out with it is I just don't like or trust Zack Snyder very much. He's he's never really done anything that I've just considered like absolutely outstanding. And I don't like the fact that he seems to be continuing to do these movies. Like, isn't he supposed to do the Justice League? Now, too, after this? Yes. Which I, man, I just don't know why they just keep going with him movie after movie. (laughs) 
Yeah, he is actually a very capable. I like most of his work. Uh, um, the only one I can't, I really didn't like was, oh, what was it? The one he did a few years ago that got a lot of crap because of all the sucker se- punch. Yes. Did you like Guardians of Gahul? His family film. It was okay. <laughs> it looked cool. But Dawn of the Dead. I mean, that's a classic right there. You're gonna have, you're gonna have trouble. He's talking about the 2004. Yeah. One. Uh, you're gonna have trouble adapting what some people think is the ultimate zombie movie, and it was pretty entertaining. Uh, the director's cut of that one was probably more creepy than than the actual movie. Three hundred. Uh, for a movie that was made for a lot, raked in all this money, and that's pretty entertaining. Uh, even, I mean, even though it's just saturated with crappy CGI by our standards today, but yeah, um, Watchmen I really loved, especially that the uh, the opening scene of the movie I thought was pretty awesome. That kind of gives you the history of the Watchmen universe, accompanied by Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing. Good song. Yeah. I guess here's my thing is like he's getting to a point here where he has some really easy characters to do interesting stuff with. And I think it's really going to reveal how capable he is because it's like uh, Joel Schumacher proved that he's not a very good director because he had the, one of the most interesting superheroes there was and he just poo-pooed all over it you know and so i think uh time's going to tell here i just wish i just wish i could have more faith <laughs> in Zack Snyder than than i do um because i all his movies i just feel like uh leave a bad taste in my mouth by the time they're over <laughs> Uh, even if I find redeeming qualities in them. Um, but, yeah, well, let, why don't we uh, we'll wrap up this Man of Steel um, kind of talk here. Um, Dakota, final thoughts on, on Man of Steel and maybe what you're looking forward to of things that could be coming here? Um, well, overall, I think the movie's uh, pretty good. Uh, if the one thing is the couple things that bother me are, I don't know, the the kind of documentary film style that Zack Snyder was going for. I didn't appreciate it at all. Uh, he kept trying to throw lens flares in there too. Yes, he did. Which also that, that irritates the crap out of me when directors <laughs> try it. Everybody loves lens flares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, there was that. Um, I loved Michael Shannon's general Zod. I was very disappointed though he didn't say Neil before Zod at any point in time. <laughs> he didn't in this even movie. like, yeah, like come on. There, I bet there had to be a take they didn't use in one of those shots where Michael Shannon just said it to say it. Yeah, <laughs> we we pretty much saw Non and Ursa from the the original Superman movies, except they weren't called Non or Ursa. Yeah, one was a big giant and non, dude. And, I was gonna say Non never showed his face. <laughs> the guy was actually pretty ugly. Trust me, I've seen him. Um, <laughs> That was odd, though. It's like, why didn't why didn't you just call them that? Because that's clearly who they are. It's obviously, what they are. Yeah. There's there's even a scene in Smallville where the town gets destroyed, kind of like in Superman Two, where that small town gets trashed. Yeah. When the army tries stopping them. Um, 
but yeah, I can't really I the little the little Lex Luthor teases I thought were pretty cool. Uh, these yeah, guys, there were some Luther Corp te- teases and stuff in the movie too. If you catch those, there Clark, was a truck they smashed. That yeah. was, and then they destroy a building and all this other stuff. And uh, the scene where Zod rips off his uh, his armor to uh, to reveal his I don't know what you call it leotard underneath there. I thought was cool because uh, if you look at his logo. It actually looks like a sickle, and it looks very much like Superman's logo from Red Sun. That's where he crash lands in Soviet Russia. Yeah. And becomes a communist. <laughs> He's a communist Superman. Yeah. But I thought that was another little nod to the to the comics. And like I said, there's there's a couple things here that bother me, but overall I thought it was pretty good. Uh, and, and of course, yes, Superman does kill somebody. And that That's a little disheartening that he did that. Uh, I guess trying to knock out Zod was just too much of an effort. So overall, I guess, what grade would you give it? We'll do letter grade <laughs> on this episode. Oh, letter grades, B+. Plus. B+, plus from Dakota. And I guess my final thoughts on Man of Steel are um, a watchable movie with a lot of entertaining elements that is sadly a little too flawed in parts and uh, and lacking in just fun. Um, and it's a character I feel like is easy to do fun with, and I feel like he, <laughs> Zack Snyder just kind of sucked the fun out of it a little bit, which just does have me worried for the future. Um, but but that everything's just to be dark and brooding, and and there'll never be very many fun elements, or they're going to be like really forced because nothing else is going to be fun except for when he tries to force a moment. Um, so yeah, that has me worried. But Man of Steel. Um, again, had a lot of things I liked. I think, uh, I think Cavill, he's okay. Uh, I'm hoping that he will get better here. Uh, maybe with the help of having more people around him in similar roles, AKA I'm referring to other superheroes around him, maybe helping him, um, and challenge him in, in some of that. Cause I'm thinking maybe that could be an issue. And so I guess with all that being said, I give Man of Steel uh, C plus. So it's just hard for me to give it give it a B, um, just because it's it's just as Dakota brought up, it's really really hard to not compare it to um, the the Christopher Reeve one. Um, no matter how hard you try, you just end up doing it because. Uh, the flaws make you remember the fun of the Richard Donner movie because um, he was just able to bring some kind of heart and fun into it with with the help of Christopher Reeve, of course, in the role, which caused me to give it a C+. Um, but I've become more and more optimistic toward Batman v Superman. Still a little skeptical it's going to be the cinematic greatness that I wish it could be. Um but yeah, time will tell. So um, I really hope that uh, I'm proven wrong because that would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be really awesome to be proven wrong. So, um, but yeah, I think with that, we'll wrap up tonight's episode. Remember to like us on Facebook for, um, to keep up on stuff. Subscribe to us in any way you listen to us and shoot some feedback and reviews our way because we love it. Let us know you're there. Um, so yeah, this is Steven. And this is Dakota. We'll see you later. And remember, the red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. 